Hello, everybody, and welcome to Geopolitics in Conflict. So good to see you guys and good to be with you. So let's talk today about U.S. decision to send troops back to Somalia. We all remember the movie. You guys, I don't know if you remember it, the Black Hawk Down. I had some colleagues who were in Somalia during that incident. So, But before we delve deeper into that, let me just uh, comment on the answers from uh, the last sessions about the two questions regarding ASEAN and the new uh, Philippine uh, president who's going to be inaugurated on June 30th. Uh, majority, I will agree with you guys. Majority stated that Philippines is going to uh, be very careful how it proceeds, even though I just read a report about an hour ago that more and more are convinced that the new, uh, the elected president, uh, Marcos Jr., is leaning more towards China than it is towards the United States. So uh, I do take one interest in one of our viewers' comments is uh, Jack Robert. You know, who's, by the way, always comments, and thank you very much, Jack, uh, stated that the Philippines, uh, he argued that it's going to be uh, not anti-China, but also will be trying to be, uh, be pro-U.S. So it will be a very hard balance between the two. So uh, as he stated, that they will keep the same line of not being anti-China and, and also manage the relations with, which make more sense. So. Anyway, let me, first of all, if this is your first time to our channel, please, please subscribe. Uh, I still wonder uh, what happened to our numbers, <laughs> something about the algorithm, whatever that is. So anyway, so now before I'll delve deeper into this, and I'm going to keep this one short because I do have a commitment. I have an event that I have to attend to uh, within uh, about an hour and a half. So, so, so I'm going to keep this one short here. Uh, keep key points you know the upcoming visit of the president of the to japan and south korea as i discussed this keep also in mind north korea's nuclear test that's going to coincide with the arrival of the united states president to south korea so you can just see the message there and the third one is that chad in africa is kicking france out which is a major development if you or once you know the history of France in chat, which I'm going to tackle briefly here. So, so the two main key points I'm going to, the main theme that I'm going to talk about is the political landscape in Africa in general term and economics. Believe it or not, the U.S. is not sending this for just whatever they are saying. There is an economic angle to it. And this pertains, of course, to China and Russia. So... So I'm going to uh, talk briefly about it. So uh, the president of the United States signed an order uh, yesterday or the day before on Monday uh, authorizing the redeployment of uh, hundreds of, usually those are special ops, uh, to Somalia, from which, interesting enough, that the, his predecessor uh, has pulled about 700 uh, ground forces uh, as he was leaving the office, the former president there is. So, as an analyst, I am wondering, okay, what is the significance of this decision? And why now? So, uh, because it comes as a something that is, uh, shall we say, surprise? You know, given uh, the order is in stark contrast 
to truly uh, with last year's president's uh, uh, decision uh, to completely put American forces from uh, uh, Afghanistan in that case. So, so it doesn't make it, it's 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 very com confusing, perplexing, shall we say? So it doesn't send a clear message. And usually, when you have a, a foreign policy, whatever that might be, that you embark on, that does not send a clear message. You know, majority of countries that are of interest into that issue or that region or whatever that is, they're going to be put in a big question mark. That's basically the bottom line to that. So, so the confusion that is and the perplexity of it, it just does, didn't make any sense. Then you would wonder, well, like any other foreign policy the U.S. get involved in of recent, they're just ill-defined ill-conceived and fragmented as it can be. So this one is no difference. So let's talk uh, briefly about the landscape, okay, the political that is. Well, as you may know, the most of the political system uh, of most African countries are based on uh, some sort of a form of government that was put in place by colonial powers during the era of uh, European rules. What are we talking about? Which countries are we talking about? Well, the Brits, France, Spain, Portugal, Belgium, Dutch to a degree, uh, those are the main ones, you know. And you still have, I uh, had a chance to travel in Africa. Uh, majority of certain countries around the Sahel area, uh, uh, they do speak French. French there is the common language uh, uh, beside their local dialects and so forth. But tells you the influence for that. It's because this government uh, or governmental institutions, that is, uh, rejected the indigenous uh, political uh, sort of system in which Africa, African countries, that is, was built on. And that's created some sort of uh, confrontation, uh, if, if you will, between the new system that wants to emerge and the one that wants to be preserved by the colonial mindset or the countries, that is. So, and this is what you always hear about political instability in, in Africa. We all hear about the military coups and conflicts, civil wars and all that stuff. It's because this lack of instability. Now, is that one by design? Uh, by, by colonial powers, shall we say? I will let you answer that question for yourself. So. But here's the thing. Many, many local or regional governments, you know, sort of borrowed, if you will, uh, politically speaking, from the indigenous system, okay? Those are the locals, but the national uh, political structure is primarily following European models. And that's where you see the, 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 the confrontation. And I'm going to give you a, a quick example here. The country of Chad, as I said, and I'm a little bit familiar with Chad and Mali, you know, given that uh, at some point uh, uh, someone approached me for some consulting aspects in Mali, and I said that you you need to understand first the dynamics on the ground before you launch any project whatsoever. So, so in the case of Chad, and and here is what, uh, Chad is like one of the poorest uh, uh, countries in Africa, the least developed, you know, and and I would say it, the most corrupt. Uh, which Chadian, the people in Chad themselves explain in their literature, so that's their own word also, that France, and this, this is their word, they said that France deliberately prevented modernization. 
Doesn't that sound familiar from some other African countries? Makes you just wonder, and I do wonder, how come Africa with all its natural resources is not developed? And once again, is it by design that the colonial powers are not willing to allow Africa to emerge? You know, they're, 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 they're smart people like any other people around the world. They have potentials and all that, but the opportunities are being blocked. And once again, I see that by design. Uh, that's that's the my personal opinion. So. so this is the idea of what Chadians, people in Chad are saying that France is intentionally, deliberately preventing Chad from developing uh, uh, like other countries. So there's the possibility to that. So here's the thing. After, and why is that, by the way, is so France can keep a cheap labor market. It's all about cost. So after 60 years of colonialism and another 60 years of exploitation of African people, you know, and their capabilities, France faces now unprecedented rejection in Chad. You go to the next country, which was heavily influenced by France, is Mali. Now, Mali had some Russian presence in it. So Africa, it's like this chessboard that you see so many fierce competition. Of course, you add China to the mix, the U.S., of course, and you can see why. And this is why I remember a couple months ago, uh, Ross and I did a video in which we argued that Africa could become the next geopolitical theater in which competition among major power could emerge. And I still stand by my statements. So it just it might take time for all that. So, so here's the thing. In Mali, uh, it looks to me, and I've been following what was going on, it looks like Mali is signing the French exit book. That's how I see it. You know, Possibly uh, if Mali does it, and Chad doing it, you're looking at other countries like Burkina Faso, you're looking at some other Western African countries also, because French uh, influence was very, very heavy in, in, in that part of, of, of Africa. And this is as we're witnessing uh, uh, France is being kicked out, uh, out of Africa. Now, the question that we all need to ask is this what prompted the U.S. to go ahead and send Soma uh, troops to Somalia? Yes, they are arguing that's for uh, for uh, uh, terrorism and so forth. Uh, you all know the arguments. Uh, there might be some element to that, but is it the big picture? Is it truly all about that, or is it the U.S. concern that Western influence is being reduced in Africa to zero or nothing? And I'll go with the latter than the former. That's, again, my personal opinion. So the question becomes, uh, uh, when we go back to Chad, because it's recent, you know, what triggers this protest now in Chad that is pushing France out, you know? And the, the protests, you know, there are, of course, there are many motives. You can't limit them to one element because you have to take into consideration economics, you know, the political uh, uh, environment or climate that is, social interactions, you know, people just fed up with whatever, like what you're going to be witnessing soon in Europe with the um, uh, prices of energy going up 
and prices of commodities going up, a lack of certain type of food, like, for example, Slovakia, which is part of the EU, just banned now the export of wheat. Forget about what the European Union is asking about. Why? Because people's going to start to look at their own interests. India, as a matter of fact, banned the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the export of wheat. No. <coughs> excuse me. Egypt has about only three months of supply of wheat. And Egypt, which is in Africa, by the way, North Africa, it's, one of, it's number one in the world uh, consumer of wheat. So you can just see where things are headed. And this is why uh, it would be many reasons as to why that, that is happening. Well, one thing they all uh, agree upon, this one has to do not only with the France's exploitation of Chad since the 20th century, but also the beginning of colonialism and, and also has to do with the current situation. That is the uncertainty that's taking place yeah. for many Chadians because they are wondering, will I have something to eat for dinner tonight or not? It's a legitimate concern. We all, as a human being, will be thinking in these terms. This is why it's something we call food security. It's, it's a major, major uh, uh, import, uh, important reason for why people uh, sort of can revolt. Look at in, in Sri Lanka. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at some very disturbing videos about uh, individuals going hungry and what they did. It's, it's, it's human nature. When you are faced with either danger or, in this case, lack of food, you're going to have to do what you're going to have to do to survive. You're going to resort to any measure at your disposal. It's, it's a sad reality, but it's a fact. That's a human behavior. That's how it is. But there are a majority agree on the following. For example, uh, 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 many Chadians viewed France as an evil force, you know, not an ally. You know, and this stems from the knowledge of France and, ex, ex, and its exploitative history of Chad internally and externally. Like I said at the beginning, Africa has a lot of resources, natural resources, that is. Do Africans get to enjoy that, the wealth of their own nations? No. But we don't blame it just on colonials, whatever, because also the corruption that exists within the system. That was number one. Number two, Chad authoritarian military rule, you know, continues for a long period, uh, uh, protected by France. That has been the norm. Uh, like, for example, France has saved the late uh, president Idris, his name is Idris Debe, uh, D-E-B-Y, you know, from falling uh, uh, because it was in 2006, 2008, and 2019. And third element that I consider very important is that Chadian consider France to be the main supporter of the current military junta led by Mohamed Kaka. So you can just see, uh, they, they just are fed up. Let me say thank you to Mustafa Kamal. Thank you very much, sir, for your super sticker. We appreciate it. Uh, they just fed up. And this is, by the way, not just in chat. You know, Africa is big. You know, 
Uh, if you ever get a chance to visit beside the safari and all that stuff, it, it's an interesting. To me, Africa is where life all started, the origin of life. That that's again my opinion and and the way I see it. Why? Because and as I said, I traveled in in, in Africa back when I used to work in Washington, and and people are very connected to Earth. They really have that that sense of their presence and, and earth they are one you know some of us in the west that's like a foreign concept to us we'll have a hard time understanding those dynamics well we're not going to understand like the flow of energy and so forth well africans do because that's part of their culture that's how they see things so the idea that the changes that's taking place this is why i said it's important to understand the political landscape the other element to this has to do with for example the presence of Russia, the presence of China. Now, with the U.S. sending troops back, you can just see some African countries now are thinking, okay, are we becoming now, are we going to be now the reign in which the competi competition, that is, where, geo where uh, a global power is going to be competing over who dominates whom and who controls what? And to give you just a quick example, Russia, about a, a year and a half ago or so, uh, it was eyeing a port of uh, uh, Berbera, which is a location, uh, as a location for their base. And this one is on the coast uh, uh, of the Somaliland with access to the Gulf of Aden. Very strategic. And why is that, you may ask? Well, because if you look at the neighbors in Somalia, uh, Kenya, you look at uh, Ethiopia, uh, you know, and then you have uh, uh, Djibouti, <laughs> access to the water. Well, who's in Djibouti? You have the U.S., you have China. China has a naval presence in Djibouti, a small one. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. And even Japan. Japan is in coordination with the U.S. Of course, Japan has to do what the U.S. Uh, order it to do because Japan will just follow what the United States says because that's how it is. So. So this is the interesting thing. It's both, in this case, uh, U.S. Uh, and China uh, with military bases in Djibouti share the same coastline uh, as the potential Russian port. That is what makes it very uh, in interesting to understand this political landscape, geopolitical landscape that is, to have an understanding of why suddenly in a reversal of a policy, U.S. is sending troops, claiming that it's because of the terrorism, whatever, which we, we've heard that movie or we saw that movie before. Let me move to economics. It's very, very important to understand, especially when it comes down to Africa. Well, you think about, and I did mention this one last time, I remember, about the report that, was, that came out, out of the World Bank indicating that about 20, 20 to 25 countries in Africa will be facing some major economic downturn you know now some of them could go the route of sri lanka i won't be surprised uh, i look at egypt for example egypt now and i just tweeted something about it yesterday regarding the government need to get rid of 70 percent of its federal employees can you just imagine and yet egypt will go and spend more money on weapons It's, it's, it's Egypt, but that's their country. They can decide. Uh, well, I'm just providing facts here, guys. I'm not criticizing anybody. 
and I am not pointing finger at, uh, fingers at anybody. I'm just pre presenting facts here. So, so <laughs> when you look at the report, you, you, you think of it in terms of, okay, what does it mean within the global dynamics? Well, of course, you can ignore energy and what's going on on a global level. I am sure whatever part of the world you are in watching this video, you'll notice that the gas prices are up. You know, well, Africa plays a role into this also. And I'll tell you why in, in a second. So, but the idea of Somalia, all of a sudden U.S. troops going there, you have to look at geography, which is a very fundamental uh, uh, principle when it comes down to understanding geopolitics. You cannot and you will not understand geopolitics without understanding geography. That's just a fact. It's part of it. So, as I said earlier, you look at the neighbors of uh, Somalia, you got Djibouti, Ethiopia and Kenya. Well, especially with Ethiopia. Why is that important, Ethiopia? Ethiopia because it has over 100 million people. It's not a small size country. And if you are looking for investment as a foreign direct investment, that is, which is exactly what China is doing, you have to look at the size of the market. You know, that is very, very important. The other element you have to think about is the energy oil, whatever you want to call it, gas, whatever, energy in general term, you know. What's interesting is that last week, the uh, uh, foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov of Russia, uh, went over to uh, Algeria. Why do you think he went to Algeria out of all countries in Africa? Because Algeria is an OPEC member, okay? And Algeria received a request from the EU to supply it with gas. And Algeria said, Sorry, we don't have the capacity. That's why I said what I said. Uh, and again, check out my tweet, guys, or follow me on tweet on, on, on Twitter uh, at the Walalu. You can see I put the stuff there on a regular basis. As I argued, no one's gonna replace energy from Russia into Europe. Why? Because of the cost, it's cheaper. And Europe, uh, the EU now is finding that out the hard way. As a matter of fact, there are about 10 countries now that agreed to open an account with rubles, which means what? They're going to be purchasing Russian energy. So Europe asked Qatar, uh, asked uh, even Iran, asked Algeria, and they're like saying, ah, we don't have the capacity, you know, because Africa has ways. But of course, the infrastructure is not there to do that. But there is the possibility of that. But that's not the key to all this. The key to all this is, <coughs> is to understand the role of Africa when it comes down to the global energy. Well, here's briefly a thing. In Africa, you have countries like Angola, Congo, Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, Libya, and Nigeria. Okay? Those are oil-producing countries. You look at the members, the biggest OPEC members, who influence the daily prices that you and I end up having to pay. You know, beside Saudi Arabia, of course, Iraq, United Arab Emirates, Iran, and Kuwait, you got three main players or four main players in Africa. You got Algeria, Nigeria, Angola. Uh, I'm sorry, you got Nigeria, Angola, and Algeria. Those are the three very heavy influencer of oil 
uh, within the cartel or within the OPEC. So, and this is why uh, soon you guys going to see a video. I just did a video about the oil and what it means to your pocket. And I detailed very, very, some key information. Well, we'll release the video soon. So, and I talked about Africa, the role that it plays within the global supply, because it's very important. Beside the supply and demand, which is the natural, uh, which is the principle uh, uh, of economics, geopolitics plays a role into this. So, and Africa can play a role into all this. And here comes the big elephant of the room, or in the room, shall we say, is the Chinese investment. Yeah, because you can't talk about Africa without talking about foreign direct investments coming from China. It's it's no brainer. And, and it becomes a question, as I put in my title for the video, that is this about China? Well, you guys can figure it out. So, so throughout the continent, China's investments are largely concentrated on, on, trans, on two main sectors, transport and energy, which is common sense. I'll give you the example. Uh, China has invested in Nigeria's railway. China has also built uh, uh, building railways in Kenya, Ethiopia, and Zambia, among others. As a matter of fact, the last, uh, and I'll have the link for you guys so you can take a look and see for yourself. Uh, it was an investment about $475 million uh, to build the Addis Ababa. And I've been in Addis Ababa, the airport there, crossing through the country. And I did hear about the project and asked some locals there. Addis Ababa's light rail. $475 million, which basically serves about a city of 4 million residents. So it's very, very in, in important. The other aspect that China is investing in is in energy. And this one mainly through gas and oil. Well, given what's going on at the global level, you can see why. This is why I always say, and I'll keep repeating this, guys, uh, always. Always look for the trend elsewhere. Don't just look at this regional area or this country. You have to look at other elements that can influence that particular trajectory, whatever that might be. So, so in the energy sector, uh, China has invested mainly in uh, about uh, clean energy, of course, uh, and hydropower. Especially, I do remember some projects they had in Nigeria. So... And this is where you start to think in terms of investment investments. China is investing about $3 in renewable energy for every dollar the United States invests. But here's the thing. China's not doing this out of the goodness of its heart. You know, let, let's just say it the way it is. Let's not sugarcoat things. You know, China, because it's central to its foreign policy. This is what China is facing right now when it comes down to challenges with the United States. And I'll tell you why. After I say thank you to Panda too. Thank you, Panda, for your super sticker. Appreciate it. The challenges China has with the United States, regarding it has to do with the alliances. Because the United States built alliances all over. Yes, of course, NATO. Then you got AUKUS, you got Quad. You know, The question becomes, which every uh, 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 analyst should be asking is, will China be going that route? Not about building military bases around the world. No, 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 no. Establishing at least key alliances. 
remain to be seen. I, I, I do not see the signs for that yet, but that does not mean uh, because now the way I look at it, when it comes down to the investments in China, it's because the uh, China is trying to align and cooperate with other countries right there to build a multipolar international system. And all it has to do with protecting its interest. As I always say, there is nothing wrong with it. Countries do what they do because of their own interest. That, that, we all do that. that. That's normal. And you can just see this. It's a coordinated policies that China uh, can embark on yeah, from different entities like BRICS, for example, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Uh, you look at it also from the uh, basic Brazil, South Africa, India, and China. Or you look at it also from the SCO or the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So, yeah, that that's just the norm. I mean, to me, that's how I see it. Uh, I approach this one. Let me say thank you to uh, Mustafa Kamal. I did say thank you. Because I can, I, I give back and forth. So if I miss, I am so sorry for that. But appreciate your super sticker, guys. So let me provide a conclusion here. Here's the thing. The first implication was suggest when it comes down to Chinese economic engagement in Africa in light of U.S. decision to reverse policy of sending troops. Because there are a lot of people think that China's investment in Africa is so high. No, it is not. It is still very, very, very small percentage when it comes down to what the United States has invested. Because that means what? That means there is room for uh, more than one investor. So far, China is the only one. Therefore, Chinese involvements in Africa should not create an either-or position. That's why it's always to understand, not, not just to know about, but to understand the political landscape, the geopolitical landscape. Because based on that understanding, you will be able to formulate that understanding of the structure of where things are headed, economically, socially, politically, and what have you. you know. The second implication to all this offers an insight onto the relationship between economic engagements and political alignment. Something we did after World War II and maintained it for over 70 years. So in this case, between 2001 and 2018 or 19 or something like that, uh, China has loaned approximately $126 billion to African countries. Okay. China also in the same period invested about $41 billion in foreign direct investments. And I'll provide you guys uh, the link for where the stats are from. And this has translated into some voting, what's interesting about it, in certain international forums. That's normal. The United States does that. Britain did that before. France did that. Now it's China's turn. And that's what makes it very, very, very interesting. Because here's the thing. Between 20, 2001 and, and about 13 or 14, the U.S. invested about $56.3 billion dollars. Foreign direct in Africa. But also, the United States spent about $9 trillion on the war on terrorism. 
portion of which in African Sahel region and the Horn of Africa. That's why I say what I say. See the big picture. I'm going to guys leave you with question of the day. And the question of the day tie it to energy, especially because we all feeling that when we go fill up our uh, cars and so forth, you know, I don't care where you're at. Whether you're in Philippines or Indonesia, Malaysia, China, South Africa or Canada or London. London is even worse because they just shut down half of their bank branches. So I don't know if UK is going the route of Greece. <laughs> Very problematic. So, so as I said, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, energy, uh, the world cannot operate without energy. And it looks like the world is finding out, especially the EU is going to be hit very hard so here's the question you know can africa replace russia's energy in europe once again can africa replace russia's energy in europe hope you find this information useful and as always guys stay informed till next time bye bye